Hey, I just want to thank you guys for making that happen. If you're uh, new to our church, we've been talking about this partnership with Shepherd. I think this is our third year with them where we just try to stock the shelves of their Christmas store. And we set a goal this year uh, to uh, raise 10,000 items. And you guys surpassed that if you heard in the video to the tune of about 13,000. And I saw a number of our people in the video down there serving. And so I just wanna thank you guys for that, uh, just for your generosity. As uh, you're generous, it helps us to pivot and meet the needs around the community. And I'm uh, so grateful to be able to do this with you. And uh, on behalf of my family and I, I just wanna wish you guys a Merry Christmas and just say, hey man, we made it through the blizzard of 2022, all right? That's just, we're finally here together. Like we've been cooped up the last couple days. And uh, man, I'm thrilled to, to be here with you. This is one of my favorite services of the year. And uh, shortly before Thanksgiving, my wife asked me the question that she normally asks every year this year, uh, around this time of the year. She just said, hey, I need some Christmas ideas from you, and I never really fully know what to do with that. And uh, so this year I Googled uh, top Christmas gifts for him, right? I actually wish that was just a sermon illustration, but it's not, I actually Googled that. And here's just a, a few of the gifts that uh, popped up on Google. This is uh, uh, a pizza oven. Now I've always wanted like one of these like built-in pizza ovens in your backyard where you can make these like fresh artisan pizzas. And I've got this like vision in my mind that I'll do this like every Friday night with my family. But chances are, if I had a pizza oven, I'd use it once, right? But uh, this claims to be the best pizza oven on Amazon. And uh, they say, if you're not craving pizza, then you can make steak, fish, or vegetables, <laughs> which I don't know. There's something about that that I'm like, I don't know that's going to be good for any of those things. Uh, might as well make, you know, chocolate chip cookies or something. I don't know. But uh, here's, the, here's the next gift. Um, this is an eye massager with heating pads and Bluetooth. Now, this is one of those gifts that I didn't even know it existed. But now that I know it exists, I'm trying to figure out a reason why I need it. That's... That's what that is. And then here's the, the last one. This one's kind of disgusting. The Nubu Japanese foot pads, apparently they pull toxins out of your body. And the advertisement says, you know it's working because at the end of every session, the pads turn black, right? That's just, that's just gross, all right? Now, I didn't ask for any of these things. I don't expect them under the tree tomorrow. So I don't know, in the off chance that you're still looking for a gift for your pastor, all right? There you go. Maybe the foot pads would be nice. Isaiah 52 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And <laughs> mine are not. All right, I'll just be, you know, we'll just share that. We're family. All right. Now, I think that all of us would agree, uh, coming through this year and as we kind of look out across the world right now, the number one thing that the world needs for Christmas this year more than anything else is perspective. And by perspective, I, I just simply mean this, the ability to see and to make sense out of a world that feels like it doesn't make much sense. And right now, just uh, there's a lot of things that seem to be clouding our collective vision. And uh, there's a lot of noise. And there's uh, so much information that is coming to us via our phones and screens. And we're trying to process it all. And we're kind of in many ways, like post-pandemic and all the events we've been through over the last few years, it just kind of feels like we're just feeling our way through the dark. And it brought to mind this uh, passage that I read out of a book when I read in college by a guy named J.I. Packer. The title of the book is called Knowing God. And listen to what he writes. He says, we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, 
mad, painful place, and life ended a disappointing and unpleasant busyness for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. I remember reading that my second year of college, and it just kind of hit me square between the eyes that I that this world is painful and it is dark, and there are some unmet expectations, and that God doesn't promise to uh, fix all of those things in the moment, but to disregard His identity and His purpose and His intent. Uh, leaves us in this place where we are stumbling through the world without having a connection to whose world it is. And right now, I think many of us are just kind of trying to feel our way through. Our vision is being obstructed. I've always had really, really good vision. My eyesight's been good all through growing up. I had, every time I go to the eye doctor, it was 20-20 every time. And, but something changed uh, when I was in college, it was the end of the semester, a lot of stress. I uh, just had, uh, you know, gone through a breakup and I was studying for finals and I was super, super stressed out. I didn't know what I was going to do in the summer. And I'll never forget, I was sitting at a stoplight during finals week and I looked to my left out my car window, the same place I would look, you know, every day. I drove this route all the time. And um, the, the billboards and the streetlights, they weren't clear like they normally were. They, they were blurry. And it's been blurry ever since. It was as if that week of stress clouded my vision. And the same thing can happen in life. The same thing can happen with our ability to see. And I'm not specifically talking about our uh, literal eyes. I'm talking about a different set of lenses. The lenses by which we see and interpret the world around us the lenses by which it informs our identity and our purpose, the lenses by which we interpret who God is and our connection to him. Ephesians 1.18 refers to this set of lenses as the eyes of your heart. And the eyes of your heart, the same thing can happen. You go through a, a season of stress or anxiety. You go through a season where something unexpected can happen and it will blur the vision of the eyes of your heart. And I think part of the reason why the world right now is in the desperate place that it is is because collectively the eyes of our heart have been clouded. And I'm just wondering as you walked in here today, if you've come through this past year and maybe you've experienced something pretty traumatic that has clouded the vision of the eyes of your heart. And maybe some of you walked in here today. This is the first Christmas that you've had since that divorce or that breakup. And your vision is clouded, and understandably so. Maybe um, you've recently gone through some sort of a job loss or a career change. Maybe there's a, a long-time friendship you thought would always be in place, but that friendship recently unraveled, and that person is no longer in your life, and it's left you somewhat confused. Maybe, maybe you've recently just gone through a pretty significant Transition, maybe, maybe a move of some kind. Maybe you used to live in sunny Florida or California and God moved you to Indiana. And you're like, over the past few weeks, you're like, why God? Why? Like you, all of us have gone through, I've gone through it. I know that you have as well. These stressful seasons of our lives that have a tendency to threaten 
or to cloud the vision of the eyes of our heart. And maybe what makes it even more challenging is Christmas. Like you come into a setting like this, by the way, like just look around the room. This is the best we will all look all year long, right? I mean, you guys look amazing. It's all downhill from here, right? And you just kind of, maybe you come in here and, and I don't know, like maybe you um, came in by yourself or maybe, maybe you're with uh, some, some friends because you're not able to get back to, to wherever your family is from and you kind of look around the room and it's really easy in a setting like this because everybody looks really happy. And we clean ourselves up and we're taking pictures out in the lobby and we've got our hot chocolate and maybe you're really hurting on the inside and you look around and you're like, you know, what's wrong with me? You know, we sing songs like joy to the world and peace on earth, but you don't feel any joy or any peace, but everybody else around you kind of seems like they do. And you're kind of left with these questions like, well, what do they have that I don't and what am I missing? And if that is you in any way, shape, or form. First of all, I just want to like, just look right at you and say, we see you. I've been there. You are not alone. And don't believe the lie as you look around that everybody else must have their act together, and I don't. Every single person you'll lock eyes with today, dressed in red and green, they are dealing with something in their lives. The second thing I would want you to know is that when Jesus was given to us 2,000 years ago, the world was just as dark. That that's the reason why he came, is that Jesus came to shine a light in the midst of the darkness. Listen to the way that the prophet Isaiah describes it in chapter 9, verse 2. He says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness. By the way, that's us. We are living in a land of deep darkness, but this promise is given, a light will shine. Now, um, when the, uh, if I were to uh, say to you, uh, even like right now, in, in whatever room you may be uh, sitting in, if I were just to say even like right now in this room that I'm in in Northwest, like, hey, I want everybody to like, don't do this, but if I want everybody to stand up and just find a seat on the opposite side of the room. Like there would be a little bit of chaos in here, but it wouldn't be too bad because we, we could see, we could kind of navigate around each other. Now, uh, go ahead and shut the lights out. If I were just to say to everybody, hey, I want everybody just to stand up to your feet and I want you to find a seat on the other side of the room, that would be absolute chaos and somebody would get hurt. All right, because you would walk tentatively. You're not quite sure if you're going to bump into somebody or step off of a ledge. Now, this is the world in which we live. This is the reason why we keep bumping into each other. This is the reason why there's so much pain. Everybody seems to have an answer, but we keep slamming into each other. Now, when the Bible uses the word darkness, it means two things. It means evil, which I think most of us would automatically assume. It's like, yep, I, I totally got that. Here's the other thing that the Bible means when it uses that word is um, ignorance. And ignorance, not in the sense of like, you know, stupidity. Ignorance in the sense of, I don't know how to turn the light on. Like, I, I don't understand what the answer is. And that perfectly describes the setting in which Jesus came into the world 2,000 years ago. When Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, this was what was happening in the world. Violence, injustice, abuse of power, oppression, displacement, anxiety, and grief. Kind of sounds like today. Kind of sounds like the darkness that is around us 
today. The other way in which the world is so dark is because no one really knows for sure what to do about that. Now, there's lots of people that kind of claim to know, and usually what it ends up turning into is a bunch of finger pointing and blame shifting. But what do we really do about it? And at the end of chapter eight of Isaiah, it says that the people even then, that they knew there was like this acknowledgement of evil, but they weren't fully sure what to do about it. And so in verses 19 through 20, it says that they consulted medians and magicians. Now today, uh, our medians and magicians are influencers and TED talkers. And we're just like, well, maybe it's the latest self-help book, the latest self-care tactic, whatever we can do to kind of turn the light on instead of going to God in the wisdom of his word. And the result was that they continued to stumble around in the darkness. Their vision was obstructed. And so we look around today and depending upon who you talk to, somebody will say, well, I think that the answer today is, has got to just be found in politics. I think this is the reason why it's so divisive. It's like, if we could just get the right person in office and the right policies have passed, then, then things would work out. But I, I don't know that that'll ever be the case, regardless of what side of the aisle you, you fall on. Maybe we look at the economy and we're like, well, you know, if gas prices will go down and the stock market would go up, then, then, finally, the light would come on. But I, I don't know if that's the case. It's all cyclical. What about technology? Like if we could just invent the right kind of technology to move mankind forward, then finally the light would come on. And we've been looking to politics, the economy, and technology for decades. And I think part of the reason why the intensity of the chaos in the world just kind of feels so thick right now is largely because I think the culture is beginning to freak out because none of those proposed answers are turning the light on. And the prophet Isaiah says, when those who walk in a land of deep darkness, there is a promise that is given, the gift of Jesus Christ. He has come. He is the true light. Now, I don't know who you are and how you found your way in here today. Maybe you're joining us at one of our campuses or online. And, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, some friends invited you or maybe you're here visiting family and they asked you to come and you came politely. And, but if you were to be like, be like really honest, you'd be like, well, you know, I'm really not much of a religious person. It's really not my thing. And I don't normally go to church. I mean, I'll, I'll be here, you know, on Christmas, maybe Easter, and not quite sure, fully sure what I, what I believe about uh, God. And uh, man, can I, can I just say specifically, if that happens to be you, man, I'm really, really glad that you're here. And honestly, like you've got to do something with this message, whether you receive it or reject it is totally up to you. But here's the thing that I would just uh, gently and lovingly kind of present to you is that uh, you, you can walk away from Jesus and you can reject all this if you want to. Uh, I, I would just hope that you would reject it for the right reasons. See, most of the time when I talk to somebody who's rejected it and they say they don't buy it, usually, usually what comes attached to that was maybe some sort of bad or legalistic church experience in which you were shamed growing up. And if that's the case, I totally get why you would walk away from this and not want to have anything to do with it. But that's not Christianity. That's a person who had a misunderstanding of Christianity and they were actually acting out their dysfunction and it affected you. And so you walked away from Jesus. Maybe um, you, uh, got in, you, you worked with a, a Christian that was really judgmental and they were constantly you know, shoving Bible verses down your throat and you're like, man, I don't wanna have anything to do with that. Like I wanna have fun with my life. And, and so you walked away. Listen, 
You're not rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting somebody by the way in which they treated you. You can understand the difference. The, me the message of Christianity is not, you know, just be more moral. You know, if you just like get your act together, then maybe the light would come on. But listen, like you're more like I know that there's good inside of you because you've been created in the image of your heavenly father, whether you acknowledge your heavenly father or not. But you and I still have a sin problem that no amount of morals will ever pay off. Like your morality might get you a little bit of a better reputation and keep you out of trouble with the law. But it will only take the blood of Jesus Christ to reconcile you to your heavenly father. Like there, there is... The message of Christianity is not, you know, hey, we all gathered together in church and, you know, we're all the good guys and everybody out in the world is the bad guys. No, 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 no. We're all bad guys. There's only one saving good guy and his name is Jesus Christ. And he receives you not by your merit or your effort, but it is a gift of grace. Hey, man, like you can reject Jesus if you want to. Just make sure it's him you're really rejecting and not somebody who poorly represented him. Not somebody who maybe acted out of their own legalistic efforts because they misunderstood the message of the gospel themselves. And so Isaiah says this in verse six, a child is born to us. Now notice this next, these next words, a son is given. He is given. Like you don't work for this, you don't earn this. It's not by anything that you can do. It is a gift that God has given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor because you and I are in need of some counsel and he is mighty God because you and I are weak and he is everlasting father because you and I are finite and he is prince of peace because there's chaos in this world. The gospel of John would put it this way, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And this year at Christmas, even if you would just open up yourself to the possibility that that light is for you, it just might change not only your eternal future forever, but your immediate life in the here and the now. Life is gonna continue. We're gonna have to continue to contend with the darkness. I mean, 2023 is gonna be filled with ups and downs and the same darkness as we've seen before. But what Jesus has promised is to give you a light to illuminate your steps, to make you sure-footed in the midst of the chaos. And I would just love for you to meet him. Several years ago, me and my son were up near Thorntown here in Indiana, just up the road here from our Northwest campus. And my son is 20 years old, but at the time he was maybe 11 or 12. And uh, I wasn't real familiar with the roads uh, coming back uh, home from Thorntown. And, and uh, many of you may know that uh, there's a stretch of highway that runs from Lebanon to Lafayette uh, called Highway 52. And there's two lanes of traffic that run one direction. There's a grass median, two lanes of traffic that run the other direction. And I don't know what the speed limit is, maybe 55, 60 miles an hour, but it's a, a pretty significant stretch of road. And I had no idea that there, I'd forgotten that there were two lanes one way, two lanes the other way. I just thought it was a two lane highway. And so we're uh, turning left onto the road and I can't see anything because it's so dark out that night. And I ended up turning left 
uh, into wrong way into oncoming traffic, and I had no idea. And so I'm in the right lane. We're cruising down 55, 60 miles an hour, and uh, a car flashes its brights at me. And I was just like, oh, well, that's thoughtful. Like I, like, I thought, like, I thought somebody was, like, you know, warning me of a speed trap or something. I was like, oh, thank you. I think I even said, like, oh, thanks, you know. And I watched my speed. And then, like, the next three cars, they flashed their brights frantically honking their horn at me. And I got confused. I was just like, what, is there, like, an accident? Like, is my truck on fire? Like, what's going on? And then the next, like, four or five cars got really adamant. They're all laying on their horns or, like, swerving around, you know, and flashing their brights. And I got angry and offended. And I start kind of yelling back at him, you know, like dad of the year award right here in front of my 11 or 12 year old son. And I'll never forget my son who was not driving yet, by the way, was the first to notice. And he goes, dad, I think you're going the wrong direction. And immediately, as soon as I realized it, I pulled the truck over off to the side and got us into safety. And I think I even like drove through the grass median to get up on the other side of the road. That's a lot. Like what my life looked like when I came to know Jesus. I was in the dark. I had no idea what direction I was going. I had no idea of the potential destruction in front of me. And you know what? There's a few people that flashed their brights at me. There's a few people that honked their horns at me. There's a few people that I actually got a little bit irritated by the way in which they were doing that. Maybe you can relate to my story. You're like, I know that Christian. I know that person, they're flashing their brights at me, honking their horn at me. By the way, can I just say most of us, speaking as a Christian, most of us mean well. It's just that some of us need to work on our emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills. But you didn't hear that from me. All right, so let's just keep that between us. And they might have done so in a way that was sort of off-putting. However, it doesn't mean that what they were doing wasn't true. And it doesn't mean that their intentions weren't good. And I just wanna ask you tonight on this Christmas Eve, like, is there even the possibility that maybe you've been driving in the dark in the wrong direction? And that's part of the chaos, that's part of the pain that you're experiencing in your life. And if that's the case, you don't need to be shamed. You don't need to feel bad about yourself. You don't need to be judged. Here's what you do. The Bible says, just pull over. Just pull over and turn around. And the biblical word for that is repentance. Jesus was given for you so that a light might shine and your perspective crystal clear. And tonight, if you're ready to receive him, you just simply acknowledge that. You just express your gratitude. You say, God, I'll, turn the, I'll pull the car over and turn around and I'll follow you with my whole heart. And if you would like to do that, let me just pray over you and just make this prayer your own. Just bow your head, close your eyes with me if you would across all of our campuses and even online. Lord God, we come to you right now. We have been through an incredible couple of days with the weather. We have been through an incredible couple of years with just all the events that have gone on and we're exhausted. And our vision is blurry, not our physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart. And so God, I come to you tonight and I surrender. I've been running from you because of an experience I had with a church or a Christian, or maybe because my questions kept getting in the way. And God, tonight, I'm, I'm willing to just admit that I've been running from you for all the wrong reasons. You didn't hurt me, a Christian did. That's not good enough reason to reject you. And so tonight, 
I express my gratitude for the gift of your son that was given to me, to us 2,000 years ago, the true light of the world so that we might see. So God, I receive you. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior and meet me in this journey as I begin to walk with you in a brand new relationship in a brand new year. We ask this in Jesus' name.